HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Zoop, good, really good, which makes flavor-forward broths, super premium soups, and gourmet broth concentrates, all in glass jars. For more information, visit www.zoopbroth.com. This is Capri Cafaro, host of Eat Your Heartland Out. Coming up on this hour of the show, we are checking out some fun and unique food festivals in Nebraska and Kansas. Come with me as I say, oh yeah, to Kool-Aid days. Hear about Popeye's favorite food at the Lenexa Spinach Festival. Get a taste of Czech pastry at the Verdigris Collage Days. And take a bite out of Nebraska City's Applejack Festival. Today, I'm joined by Suzanne Neely. She's the coordinator for the Lenexa Spinach Festival in Lenexa, Kansas. Suzanne, thanks for joining the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, so I I am so excited to have you on because the Lenexa Spinach Festival sounds like one of the more fun and unique festivals that are around, and it's been around for a number of years. Um, And oftentimes, these festivals celebrate, you know, a heritage, um, a crop, something that is is special to that community. So let's put it in context. Why does Lenexa celebrate spinach? Let's start there. Okay, well, you are right. Lenexa, the Lenexa community takes a lot of pride in our history and heritage. Lenexa was known as the spinach capital of the world in the 1930s, thanks to a boon crop of spinach grown by Belgian truck farmers and um, in in and around Lenexa during the Great Depression. So there was there was a buyer from Chicago who was at the Kansas City market looking for quality spinach. He had already been to St. Louis and didn't find what he was looking for and was making his way west. He was delighted to find the beautiful green leafy spinach grown by the Lenexa farmers. And he offered to buy as much spinach as they could harvest. So um, this turned out to be really great for the economy in our town. Um, Farmers and families all worked together. Children were pulled from school to help with the harvest. The railroad and the local ice company were thriving through this. Um, And the the, uh, demand for spinach during that time was due in part to the popularity of the famous cartoon character Popeye. (laughs) <laughs> which I know has a very special part in this festival as well. So how long has the festival been happening? This, we just celebrated the 40th annual event. The festival was started originally by the Lenexa Historical Society. Then the Lenexa Parks and Recreation Department became involved and has organized the event ever since. Mm-hmm. 40 years, that's a long time. How has it changed over the years? Well, at the beginning, it was, we had a lot of old fashioned contests, which we still do, but, but they evolve and change. Um, We always had the craft festival, but it was more of a um, a small event with um, kind of, it was, it was just a different event. Like we would have a quilting group there and, and some things like that. Over time, we've added a lot of, uh, more family-friendly activities, more craft vendors, 
lots of food opportunities, live music, and just a wide variety of activities. We've been working each year. We try to come up with new fun ways to engage people to make it fresh and interesting. So, yeah, so I know you have a number of contests. Tell me uh, a little bit about some of those that you do. Okay, well, the the favorites each year are the Sweet Pea Baby Crawling Contest. That (laughs) is a contest for babies that cannot walk yet. And it is the cutest thing you've ever seen. So the spectators. Sweet Pea, for those that don't know, is Popeye and Olive Oil's little girl. Right. (laughs) And so... So the babies are enticed by parents with whatever they, you know, will respond to stuffed animals, keys, phones, those kinds of things. <laughs> and they're calling so their children. It's just absolutely adorable. And the, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> I bet that sounds so, so cute. So you have a baby crawling contest, but then you also do a um, recipe contest too? We do, a spinach recipe contest, which is also tremendous fun. And that has grown in popularity over the years as well. That contest, it's free to enter and people enter in categories, four different categories. There's appetizer, salad, entree, and dessert. And believe it or not, there are some amazing desserts with spinach. I was just going to say, I like enlighten me because I am pretty surprised that dessert is a category for spinach. So what is a spinach dessert? (laughs) Well, so this year the winner entered a lemon spinach cannoli and the cannoli, the cookie for the cannoli had dried spinach that was milled into the flour. It was unbelievable. And the cannoli was absolutely delicious. But some of the other things we've had include cakes, ice cream, pies. This year there was a, a spinach cheesecake galette in, entered that was oh, wow. unbelievable. Um, mini cupcakes. Uh, it, it's just amazing what people come up with. Wow, that sounds incredible. I mean, that, that's a lot of creativity there for sure. Yes. Uh, any other interesting ones? Like, I'm just curious, any other in those categories, like what is the most random, like off the wall thing that you've seen over the years? Well, I probably ice cream and some of the cakes and desserts, just because it's not something people think of initially. Yeah. But we've had baba ganoush. That was a winner this year. Sometimes it's a spinach pasta with the pasta noodles infused with spinach. Mm-hmm. Seen um, pretzels baked with spinach in them, um, different kinds of spinach rolls. And it, it's it's unbelievable. Wow, people do get really creative. Yes. Uh, and then do the businesses get involved too? So this year we have, yes. So um, this year we tried something new too, because we're always looking for ways to bring more spinach to the event. And so we tried a new event called a spinach dip showdown, which was hugely successful. Um, We had local businesses submit spinach dips, plus the Lenox or Farmer's Market was in there, and even Parks and Rec entered a dip. And the public could come and sample the dips and then vote for their favorites. And the line was, (laughs) it it just took off because people were so excited about the spinach dips. Oh, I bet. I bet. Any any unique ones that were, you know, part of the roundup that, um, you know, not just your traditional kind of spinach and artichoke dip? Yeah, well, the most unique one I would say, and this is just my opinion, but um, one of the one of the local restaurants entered a hot spinach dip with lobster in it. It was ooh, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> it was it was wonderful. But um, it uh, so we had we had a couple cold dips and then um, a few hot dips to try. Oh, that sounds fantastic! Oh my gosh, like I am I am absolutely hungry now. So what's <laughs> what is uh, on the agenda? I know that um, you know the festival is passed for this year, but I I know there's a lot of planning that goes into these annually. Um, do you know what's on the horizon for the next one? Yes, we're we're already talking about next year's event, and so we will have some of those same contests because they are so popular with the baby crawling and the recipe contest. The dip showdown was wildly popular, so that will definitely be back next year. And we are brainstorming about other activities. Um, We have a really large children's um, activity area that um, really it draws a lot of families in, so that you know they're they're there for the day, just to enjoy the day. So um, 
so we're always thinking about new activities there. One thing that we did new this year that just kind of harkens back to the fun little um, old time carnival is the high striker. And if you know what I mean is where you have the big giant mallet and you have to oh, yeah, on yeah. and the bell run, yes. rings up. Um, so we did that this year and that's the first time we've ever tried it. And we, we made stickers for people. If they could ring the bell, then they get a sticker that says I'm stronger than Popeye. <laughs> so say, there, has to, there has to be a Popeye connection to that. <laughs> yes. And so that was very popular as well. And Popeye and olive oil, will they be back too? Absolutely. So they're they're also quite popular because they, they just rove around and enjoy the festival just like anybody else. But they're there to engage with people and take pictures with people. But you might also spot them on the little pedal boats out in the pond or fishing or <laughs> doing some different things at the event. That sounds like so much fun. Now, I, I how many people come to this a year? This is uh, this draws somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to eight eight thousand people. Wow. That's, that's, I, I'm always blown away by how many people come to these events, you know, where, you know, you have small communities and people come from all around. Do you know where, you know, the furthest person has come from? <laughs> that's a really good that question. You know of? <laughs> now this year, I don't know, but I know last year, the furthest person was from Alaska because, oh my she, goodness. <laughs> yeah, because I, I met her uh, prior to that and she, was in the area and really wanted to come to the spinach festival. So that was pretty a fun, unique thing. But I, I would say most of the people who come are from our, our community. Um, so one Lenexa's it's uh, 12 miles South. It's located 12 miles South of Kansas city, Missouri. And it's, it's a town that uh, of 50,000 people, we have a really um, vibrant business community, a strong business community as well with high, you know, tech companies and international and national headquarters and that kind of thing. Um, so it's not really a farming community anymore, but it is a really nice suburban community in the Kansas City area. Fantastic. Now, if people do want to come and visit Lenexa and the Spinach Festival at, you know, one of the future events, how how can they find out additional information? Is there a website or a Facebook page? Yes. So the city website is lenexa.com. So you can just search it if you're on lenexa.com or say lenexa.com slash spinach. Awesome. Well, I definitely, if I get out to Kansas, I want to see this. I want to see, you know, Popeye and olive oil for myself. And I want to try one of these uh, spinach desserts. Suzanne, you have me intrigued. Thank you so much for sharing about your community and this incredible spinach festival that celebrates all things spinach there in, in uh, Lenexa, Kansas. Thank you so much. It's time for another quick break, but I'll be back to talk more about Midwestern food fairs with our next guest, Bo Huffman, Vice President of the Kool-Aid Days Board. Welcome back to Eat Your Heartland Out. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro. And this hour, we're taking a tour of unique food festivals in the Midwestern states of Kansas and Nebraska. Before the break, I had a chance to learn about the Lenexa Spinach Festival. And now we shift gears to something that has just a little bit more sugar than Popeye's favorite vegetable. But it was probably your favorite drink as a kid. It's Kool-Aid, and it's got its own festival in Hastings, Nebraska. Here to talk about Kool-Aid Days is the vice president of the event board, Bo Huffman. I am so excited because I feel like this is going to be a lot of fun because who doesn't like Kool-Aid, right? Well, it's a great thing. I mean, yeah, there's over, uh, I believe, 500 million gallons of Kool-Aid is consumed every year in this country alone, so and maybe worldwide. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of fun to go along with Kool-Aid, and it's got a nice, rich history here in Hastings, Nebraska. So do tell you, so Hastings, Nebraska, um, what is the connection between Hastings and Kool-Aid? Well, Edward Perkins actually invented Kool-Aid here in 1927. Um, he uh, invented six original flavors, uh, strawberry, cherry, lemon, lime, grape, orange, and raspberry, um, which was Mr. Perkins' favorite. Uh, Kool-Aid you know, was produced right downtown here at 506, 508 West First Street, downtown Hastings, uh, across from the Burlington Station. And uh, uh, he manufactured it here until uh, 1931. And then nearly 80 years later, Kraft Foods currently owns Kool-Aid. And, and again, there's tons of Kool-Aid being drank every single year. Wow. So um, when did this get started as an actual festival? 
Well, this started officially uh, 25 years ago. So we just had our 25th anniversary this year. Um, so, and it just came about because uh, it was just something that the the town and city was looking for something fun, uh, family oriented. And so they were trying to figure out uh, some type of a festival to put on uh, that was geared, you know, specifically for that to help, uh, you know, families and people with kids and have something fun and entertaining uh, for everybody to get out and enjoy. So I know this happens in uh, in August every year. Um, give us give us a taste, literally and figuratively, I guess, of what one can expect from coming to a Kool Aid Days festival. Well, the Kool Aid Days festival has grown uh, dramatically. We've we've expanded it um, obviously over the years. The original one was literally just a, a you know few flavor choices and stuff done by the uh, museum here in town. Um, a lot of people think that the museum still actually operates the the Cooley Days, but it's been uh, again grown into a bigger organization uh, than that now. Uh, again, but we still have an all volunteer board, and uh, uh, we now have a a three day uh, event basically with with Cooley Days. So you know things start on Friday um, with, with we have our Senior Day uh, at the Hastings Museum. I think they have their egg drop and things of that nature. Uh, we have you know a little like fun sneak peek for our our uh, vendors and, and not vendors but our our sponsors and things of that nature we have a barbecue that night um and we've kind of partnered up even with the uh um oregon trail rodeo and the Whoa. ag board here as well so uh there's a lot there's a, there's a lot going on so yeah it's 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 just a ton of different stuff a ton of fun and again, it's a three-day event, and we, like I said, we do stuff for seniors on Friday, and then the sponsors and the, the barbecue dinner. Saturday is the big day with the parade downtown. Um, again, more events going on at the museum. Uh, we set the Kool-Aid stand up out at the fairgrounds right now. Um, we had, again, 25 flavors this year for the 25-year um, anniversary, uh, and that basically goes from 11 o'clock till, I think, like 9 o'clock in, in the evening. So it's an all-day affair. We've got bounce houses. There's different games and stuff. You can win prizes for the kids. Um, again, you get a Kool-Aid cup and you can drink Kool-Aid all day long. Uh, and then you can continue that in even on to Sunday uh, where we have like the cardboard boat races um, out at the Hastings Lake. And we have like the 5K uh, fun run and, and a one-mile one uh, fun run and walk uh, as well s Sunday morning. So, again, there's disc golf. There's tournaments. There's We had a classic car show going on this year. Um, literally there's something for everyone. And again, uh, the rodeo runs all three nights as well. So oh, there's wow. just a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, it does sound pretty action packed. I'm curious about the, the parade. Do you have floats that are, uh, you know, Kool-Aid themed? It does, is, how is Kool-Aid as a theme kind of drawn through all of these different events? Well, like we have the Kool-Aid man, he's there. Uh, of course, he's making his appearances and stuff. So that's always a fun part oh, of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, as, as, as all of us, um, I don't know, at least my generation, we all saw those commercials of the Kool-Aid Man. Absolutely. Breaking through walls. Absolutely. Uh, so much fun with all of that kind of stuff. And so the Kool-Aid Man obviously makes his, his float. Um, like... Uh, one of the there's a Kool-Aid car technically uh, that, that goes through the parade every year. Uh, a lot of people obviously throughout the parade are, are handing out Kool-Aid packets and and things of that nature, kind of keeping in, in tune with that. Of course, there's just candy and other fun stuff given out as well. Um, but it's just a great like I said, it's just a, a super fun family event um, that literally goes on for three days. And and uh, there's just so much stuff to do that. I, I don't, again, it's starting to get to the point where I think people don't realize how much stuff we actually have and what, what's all available at this juncture. But it's a great it's a great fun time. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedicated people that go into putting it on and and making it um, work for everybody. But uh, uh, so, yeah, it's it's just it's it's a whole lot of fun for a whole lot of people. It sounds like it. How many people do come in to Hastings for this event? Usually. Um, you know, that's, it's kind of hard to have an exact number and figure on that stuff. We don't do a great job. Obviously if we were to, um, just, you know, even, uh, do our, our cup sales or something like that would give us probably an idea. Um, I think last year we sold out of cups and that was like 10,000 cups last year. So, um, it's a big event. We 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 guesstimate because there's people that are not going to buy the cups even as well um, that are there at the event. You know, they buy stuff for the kids, but they don't get one for themselves necessarily. Um, 
But so so we, we, we guesstimate over the three days, probably between 12 and 15,000 people pretty generally. Wow. Right now. So it's wow. gotten to be big. Yeah. Uh, not this year, but last year it was really interesting. Um, I actually met somebody that was in town from Los Angeles and another family that was there from New York. Oh, so wow. we literally had people from both both coasts actually show up and end up here in Hastings, Nebraska for Kool-Aid days. So it is getting to be a little bit more popular. Obviously, now we're doing a, a big you know podcast with you guys here on Sirius XM. So that's a great uh, <laughs> kind of a great deal there, too. Yep, absolutely. We we always, you know, the great thing about these fairs and festivals, and I and I, you know, say this ad nauseum, is that it's an opportunity to celebrate a community. You know, every place has kind of their own thing, and in this case, Hastings, Nebraska's thing is Kool Aid, which you know is a national brand, something that people know. They you know the Kool Aid guy. You know, people grew up, you know, drinking Kool Aid, and um, you know, have a familiarity with it. So to be able to put on an event that's related to it certainly is, uh, you know, great for, for the community and um, unique because, you know, um, not a lot of people know, at least, you know, I, I'm always there to say, okay, I want people to know about these, you know, random, unique things that communities like yours put on. I got to ask about the 25 different flavors of Kool-Aid. Are these ones that are actually on the market? Did you all invent some of these? Um, and what is the weirdest one? that um you know you've had over the years well we we haven't invented them obviously craft foods is responsible for what <laughs> they produce and, and put out as a whole right now um we of course uh you know tried to bring in a, a, a wide array of sampling we have a few sugar-free options as well of course there's going to be your your standards of of grape and orange and strawberry and and all that stuff but uh, like it seems about routinely uh charcoalberry fin is probably one of our most popular ones um it's just it goes over really well with a lot of different folks uh but we you know we, we, for the kool-aid drinking contest we just do fruit punch um just really you know do the basic things but we have you know four different age divisions for the for the uh kool-aid drinking contest so you have your 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 younger kids you know your your seven and unders and then you have your your seven to twelves and then you have your thirteen to, to seventeens and then you have your adult division and uh <laughs> you know we try to have a lot of fun with that stuff yeah live stage live band after that um I, I, yeah there's as far as the flavors i like said um we we got what's available and what's out there basically right. at this juncture so um you know we, we were happy to have all of the different options and stuff out there uh we did have to get a few extra um specific ones that aren't just in production and out on the market or on the shelf every single place and location obviously uh different flavors and different things sell different in different areas so uh right. there's there's always going to be a different need depending on where you're at and where the 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 flavor choices are in, in those specific areas. But uh, we, we definitely have a, a wide array. And like I said, with the largest Kool-Aid stand in the world, it's it's always a whole lot of fun to, to be there. And again, we have so many help and sponsors and, and, and volunteers that come out and help uh, serve and pour the Kool-Aid for folks over the, the, the event. And it's just, like I said, it's just a great, a great community <laughs> event as a whole. I, and I am so curious about the, the Kool-Aid drinking contest. I mean, is it about speed, quantity? Like, what is that? Okay, so we we've we changed it up because it used to be an uh, a a large large amount like sixty four ounces that people were trying to consume, and it was a little bit uh, intense, especially for the uh, smaller um, you know participants. Uh, so we we kind of changed it up here in the last couple of years. We've just been literally doing a Kool Aid cup, um, and I've been the the judge and jury uh, the last couple of years, which has been kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> the first year, I I, I kind of was, I let a little bit of extra spillage go, you know, if they're having it, you know, spill out the side of their mouth and whatever. This year, I was really particular. I was like, I'm like, this is a Kool-Aid drinking contest, not a Kool-Aid spilling contest. So I was a much more particular. I was like, I'm like, we have to be drinking and consuming the Kool-Aid and stuff. So, but like for the, the two younger divisions, we did a half a cup. Um, for the, the teenage division, the 13 to 17 year olds, uh, we did three quarters of a cup. And for the adults, we did a full cup. And, uh, and uh, you had different heats. So, um, I mean, there's enough people coming and signing up for that, that you can't get everybody done at one time. So you, you, you take the top two placers out of each heat. And then we have, you know, the follow up heats until we get down to the, 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 the championship round, basically. And I usually always. <laughs> Tried to have about you know five to eight people um, going for the championship round, which was a lot of fun. 
And uh, yeah, it was totally funny. And like, like for the adults, I was very particular. I was like, I'm like, literally, you cannot spill a drop. The kids, I give a little bit of leeway too, as long as they're not just dumping it all over themselves. Right. Uh, but but, yeah. but but for the adults, I'm like, I'm like, this is this is what it is. I'm like, I want to see us drink that Kool Aid, and I want to do it. And it's so funny, you know. We had this year was was really great. We had one gentleman uh, showed up. I mean, at the very start, the adult contest we don't do till later on in the afternoon um, because we try and get the kids when they are first there and first fresh. Try and get them through yeah. and do their competitions to start with um so he you know, he came back and he was just a- absolutely just so eager and so excited about it and i mean in, in the in his, in his round and his heat he started to barely start drinking and like spilled out the side like immediately he just like put his cup down and just looked so dejected and i was like oh I'm like, all right guys i'm like i'm like we got to give him a big round of applause because that's all they're leaving here with you know we give prizes and stuff out to the winners and stuff at the end as well which is really fun um, but yeah, so I was like, you know, I, I was trying to encourage everybody and make it fun and light and, and, you know, so I'm like, I'm like, send them out of here. You know, they're, they're going home with nothing but your applause. And, and so again, we try and have a lot of fun with it as a whole. Yeah, no, it sounds like a big responsibility for you, Bo, because <laughs> judge and jury <laughs> of the Kool-Aid contest, which is, uh, got to be one of the highlights of, of the weekend. Well, this is, this has been a lot of fun to learn about this. If uh, people want to know more about the Kool-Aid Festival, where can they, where can they get information to visit in, you know, in the upcoming years? Uh, just go to Kool-Aiddays.com is probably the easiest thing or look up Kool-Aid in Hastings, Nebraska. I mean, I'm uh, there, there, you'll, you'll get um, enough links and hits probably coming to us as a whole, but um, yeah, it's, it's a great event and yeah, definitely just go to Kool-AidDays.com. And so there's the two D's in there. So, cause it's Kool-AidDays.com um, and you can get all the information you can get onto the website. You can see all of the events and stuff that's going on, uh, what might interest you. And uh, again, there's, there should be something for literally everyone out there. So whether you have a young family or you're just young at heart, uh, you can come to Kool-Aid Days and have a whole lot of fun. Sounds like a plan. We will. We are glad to share the story of Kool-Aid Days in Hastings, Nebraska to a wide audience here. And uh, Bo, thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Capri. It's been a great time. Don't go away. We have to pause for a break, but we'll be back with more from my conversation with Tammy Partish about the Nebraska City Applejack Festival. Serving soup face-to-face to customers across the country at Zoop Eatery locations for over two decades, the Zoop Good Really Good team learned people's preferences, and they used this as a secret sauce to create a collection of super premium soups, flavor-forward broths, and gourmet broth concentrates. Available in nine varieties, ranging from chicken pot pie and spicy chicken gelada to portobello mushroom bisque and butternut squash, the clean ingredient soups are perfect for enjoying a comfort meal in minutes. The broth lineup, which includes chicken, beef, veggie, and seafood broths, plus bone broths, features rich, simmered all-day flavor. For even more versatility, Zoop offers culinary concentrates, which easily boost the taste of casseroles, pastas, and rice dishes. All products are packaged in recyclable and reusable glass jars, free of artificial ingredients, preservatives, and GMOs. They're available at your favorite retailers across the country and through Instacart, plus online at zoopbroth.com, walmart.com, and Amazon. Browse recipes and learn more at zoopbroth.com or by following at zoopgoodreallygood on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Tammy, thanks for joining the program. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, first, let's orient the listeners to where Nebraska City is. We are on the east coast of Nebraska, which sounds fancier than it is. We're about an hour south of Omaha and an, um, 45 minutes to an hour to the east of Lincoln and maybe two hours north of Kansas City. So we're right on the edge between Nebraska and Iowa in the southeast corner of the state. Okay. Uh, and uh, how big is the city? We have a population of about 7,200, so it's it's a pretty small town, um, but we do have a Walmart, so, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe we're getting a little bit bigger than we think we are. 
Well, you know, that's a great thing about fairs and festivals. And I don't need to tell you as somebody that works in, in tourism uh, there in the region, but it's one of the things that I think is just fantastic about the Midwest and, and frankly, in a lot of small towns uh, across the United States that, you know, it gives an opportunity for uh, a local community to celebrate something that is important to them, that they're known for, and get visitors from all across the region, the state, and, and beyond. And it sounds like that's what the Applejack Festival does. So take us back uh, and tell us a little bit about um, maybe the origins of at least apples uh, in in this region, and then we'll talk a little bit about the festival. Absolutely, it, it's very interesting because Nebraska City is known not necessarily for apples, really, but for trees. We're also the home of Arbor Day, and so that's oh. kind of where we have our claim to fame. But we have uh, the the trees grow well here, but they also the fruit trees grow really well. And the first settlers that came here in the 1850s, they planted fruit trees. And they grew so well and had such great um, yields that by the time the 1900s rolled around, we had orchards on on every section um, of, of farmland. Every, everybody had their own orchard and then some became commercial. In the 1920s, there were a couple of orchards that were shipping apples in refrigerated rail cars mm. to Denver and to Chicago. So that was kind of a big deal. Um, yeah. It, you know, for this, this small town, we've been about 7,200 for a long time and to ship apples out for other people in the city. That was kind of a, that was a neat thing. There was a, a very um, devastating freeze uh, in, I think at 1940, 45, something like that it was the armistice day freeze in November. Mm -hmm. And a lot of orchards did not recover from that. We currently have three that, are really strong and healthy orchards, then that they draw the, the crowds. But as far as our festival goes, we've had people come to Nebraska City every year since the 20s to get fresh fruit. They would also come in the spring to see the blossoms. Mm. Um, but then in the 1960s, a group of businessmen from the Chamber of Commerce said, how about we make a festival so they do more than just come to the orchard and then turn around and go home? Can we do something in the town to, to keep them here, spend the money um, so we can see a little bit more of that? And that's how the Applejack Festival was born. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's that is, um, you know, I think sometimes how these festivals come to be, because there is this recognition that there is an attraction there. And it's something to build upon to, you know, bring visitors and, and ultimately, uh, you know, economic um, impact into the community uh, as a way to, you know, stimulate the economy. That's, ex that's exactly it. It could have been, we could have very easily gone the wayside, like, like many other small towns in Nebraska or in the, across mm -hmm. the Midwest and just disappeared off the map. But having this festival here and having people come back year after year, uh, that really made the, a huge difference. Absolutely. And I see it in my backyard as well in Ohio, all across this state, uh, which is one of the things that, again, always has drawn me to what it, what else is out there. We have so many unique festivals in, in my region that, you know, made me want to go look and see what else is out there, you know, uh, in, in other states, in Nebraska, in Kansas, you know, uh, wherever, just to see, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, are, what do other, these other, you know, individual communities have and what are they celebrating? And in your case, it's apples. Now, are mm -hmm. there a specific variety that you're known for or that thrives in that region? No, um, we have we have really good. Um, I want to say we have really good red delicious, but honestly, there are not any really good red delicious anymore. It's been so propagated to its yeah. the blandness of it. That's a personal opinion, but it's um, it's not awesome. Jonathan apples are wonderful. Mm. Jonah Gold apples are so good. We do have Honeycrisp apples that we grow here, which oh my gosh, they're fantastic. Um, the, those are probably the biggest sellers right there. And, but it's, it's interesting because do you know how many different varieties of apples there are in the world today? Can you guess? I mean, you know, I would, I could go either way. I kind of am assuming that I would say like hundreds or maybe even thousands, but I bet you're going to tell me there's like six. <laughs> no, there are 2000, uh, more than <laughs> 2000 different varieties, but the average American only tastes seven in their lifetime. And those really? are the ones, yeah, because there's a, we taste what's in the grocery store. 
Right. We taste the apples that can travel well, that can refrigerate well, that can stay fresh for a long time. We don't taste the ones that grow up randomly in grandpa's backyard that are just a weird variety that no one's ever heard before that bruise immediately when they fall off off the tree because they don't they're not good to propagate. But you can easily make a new variety of apple. It's just not necessarily commercially smart to do so. So mm -hmm. one of the cool things that one of our orchards here does is have an heritage apple, an antique apple tasting. Oh, and that's have, fantastic. Yeah, they have about an acre or so of, of apple trees that maybe two or three trees of each of these old fashioned varieties that aren't available commercially anywhere. And, you know, when I was a kid, I thought an apple is an apple is an apple. They all taste the same. Right. And they totally don't. And it's, it's really fun to try some of these different varieties and think, oh, I would totally eat that. And then you take another one. Nope, no, I don't, I don't like that at all. You know, <laughs> so it, it's really kind of fun. That sounds great. Now, what else um, do you do? So when is the Applejack Festival usually? And kind of how do things um, unfold during that time? Well, we have it on the third weekend in September because that's pretty prime harvest time for apples. Some mm -hmm. of the apples are ready in in August. Some aren't ready till October, but by the middle of September, um, we've got a good crop going. Um, so I told you our town was 7,200 or so. We were getting upwards to 70 to 80,000 people whoa, in town whoa. over that weekend. It was a lot. That's infrastructurally, it was very difficult for our entire town to handle. So sure. we, for for quite a few years, we had been kind of talking behind the scenes. How do we fix that? We don't want to tell people not to come, but how do we how do we fix it? And honestly, COVID saved us. We were the first we were the first festival in Nebraska to have a parade when COVID happened in 2020. Um, we spread Applejack out over four weekends that year and tried to do different traditional activities on different weekends, a parade this weekend, a car show this weekend, a carnival this weekend. And it's now we've simplified it. We're down to two weekends of Applejack. So it's the third and the fourth weekend of September. And the first weekend is the traditional one. It has the parade and the car show and the fun run and um, craft and vendor fairs and a flea market. The second Applejack weekend, which is at the end of September, is all about apples. And we have um, a cider stroll, we have a progressive dinner, we have a recipe contest. So having it over two weekends gives people an opportunity to choose which one they want to go to, or maybe go to both, but it's also lessened the amount of people. We, ha we have more overall, we're about the 100,000 mark, Whoa. but they don't all come in one weekend. Well, that has to, I mean, that you have the best of both worlds. With that many people, where are you getting these, these folks coming in from? A lot of them come from Omaha. A lot of them come from Lincoln. Um, we kind of, we have a, a little bit of a niche that comes up from St. Joe, Missouri and Kansas City, some from Des Moines, but a lot are from Nebraska itself because we go, I when I go around the state for even fun vacation things with my family, I wear a Nebraska City shirt or an Applejack shirt. And people are like, oh my gosh, I love Applejack. We went there every year when I was a kid or my band marched in the Applejack parade when I was younger. Um, or oh, I've always wanted to go back with my own kids. I mean, the, people remember coming here and, and a lot of it is in Nebraska. You know, that whole trying to get uh, back to nature and take your family to the orchard and pick apples. I mean, that's such a popular thing right now. Absolutely. And it's been a trend for a while. And we are, <laughs> we're reaping the benefits of that. I, I can imagine. I mean, a hundred thousand people is a lot of people, even, even spread out over, you know, several weekends. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the, um, the recipe contest that you mentioned, because I'm curious to know yes. what kind of recipes people enter, how they're judged. I'm assuming that they're related to apples. I'm just, yes. I, I, my mouth is watering right now. Okay. Well, and if, if you would like to come and enter, you are more than welcome. You have to create Ooh. up to 200 sample size um, of whatever it is that you make, but it is, that's a lot apple, of work. <laughs> it is, it is, it is an apple themed or apple infused recipe. And we have people's choice judges and we also have official judges. 
So the winners, we have people's choice winners and we have the judges choice winners and the people, the taste testers, you come and you can buy uh, tasting tickets and then you put a, for so much money and then you put a ticket in a, a little cup at each station when you taste their sample and you get a scorecard that you fill out and turn in when you're done. And then we tally up the results and it's, um, it's only a three hour thing. It's like from 11 to two and we announce the winners at the end and they get a cash prize and a trophy. And a lot of it is bragging rights, but it's, it's not professional versus amateur. Anybody can enter. And we've had kids enter. We've, um, I entered one year, got runner up. I was so excited. Um, but we have everything from, we had an apple ice cream one year. We have, oh, yeah. you know, apple crisp, apple pie. That's pretty standard. Um, we've had apple barbecue last year. A big winner was an apple brat. We had a, a guy well, who makes his, great. Yeah. He makes his own bratwurst and he did apple flavoring and it was delicious. Uh, so a lot of people just try different fun things with apples and it, it's, it's a really fun, it's a fun time. It sounds fantastic. What do you have a favorite that you've had so far? Have you had a chance to well taste a bunch of them? Honestly, I, I, I my own is my favorite. I make an, it's <laughs> called an, an apple dew dumpling. And I will tell you, there's a secret ingredient because the dew is spelled D-E-W. Oh, I wonder what that might be. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. You kind of pour some sparkly Mountain Dew over these little dumplings before you bake them. And they're just fantastic. Huh. I would never have thought of that. Oh, Oh my my gosh. I'll send you the recipe. It's so good. That sounds amazing. That's, I mean, I got to say, this is exactly why I love doing this show because with every conversation, you know, you find out something, get a little gem someplace Mm -hmm. out there, which, and it sounds like Nebraska city and the Applejack festival is an absolute gem. I want to wish you the best of luck for your next uh, festival coming up. And of course, for all of your future, because this festival is going on for what, 50 plus years, right? This is the 55th year that we've had it. Yeah. Well, here's to 55 more. Thank you so much, Tammy, for joining the program. Thank you. It's time for another quick break, but I'll be back to talk more about Midwestern food fairs. You've been listening to Eat Your Heartland Out. This hour has been all about fun food fairs and festivals in Nebraska and Kansas. We've covered the Lenexa Spinach Festival in Kansas, Kool-Aid Days, and Nebraska City's Applejack Festival, both in Nebraska. And now it's time for some Czech culture, courtesy of the Verdigree Improvement Club, also in Nebraska. Verdigree, Nebraska, that is. The organization puts on the community's annual Kolach Days that features, you guessed it, Kolach, which is a Czech pastry. Let's welcome Linda Sokol, co-chair of the Verdigree Improvement Club, and Kathy Michant, the club's past president and the first female president. Both join me to talk about Verdigree Kolach Days, which, by the way, as you will see, I pronounce Kolachi. Linda, Kathy, thank you for joining. Yeah, You're thanks welcome. for having us. So happy. So, um... Let's see. I, you know, Kathy, you're the past president, so I guess maybe I will start with you first um, to to find out just a little bit about how you got involved and set the stage for what the Verdigree Kolach Days are. Well, it started out, well, we've always had, you know, we're predominantly Czech and Catholic, so we've always had big celebrations. Community club, it was called, and the St. Wenceslaus um, activities, you know, parades, picnics, all that. And then Mm -hmm. in 1969, well, a group of guys got together and they decided to make it official that it would be called the Verdigree Improvement Club and their bylaws were that it would be specifically for the uh, community and uh, whatever the needs were, that that's what the community would be getting from the Improvement Club. And it started out as a man's club and then one by one, uh, the wives joined, but the only officers could be men. And then they kind of ran out of men being president. <laughs> and so they let a woman come in and I was the first one and they served every, a year was their limit. And then I, they finally took over in six years, somebody else. So, and, um, we, uh, it was in 1969 and that's when it uh, was officially named the Verdigree Improvement Club. 
So we've been in 44 years doing a lot of good for the community. Um, and then if I can add that in 1979, 10 years later, our alumni committee formed mm. and we would have up to 350, 400 alumni come back. And we decided to have it during college days because it was like a win-win situation. We bought we brought out-of-town people and money to Verdigree, and we had all the fun things that the Improvement Club put on for them to enjoy. I see. So the Improvement Club, so the Collage Days somehow uh, predated the activities of the Verdigree Improvement Club, if I'm getting this correct. Is that right? Uh, no, it should have all started around the same time. Uh, 1969 is when they started with like the Queens and having Collage Days. Got right. it. Got it. Okay, and then in 1979, you kind of scheduled everything at the same time then. Right, that was the alumni banquet, and the idea was to bring the people back to Verdigree the same time we had something that we could give to them when they came here. Yep, makes makes a lot of sense. So, Kathy, what year did you become that first woman president of the uh, Improvement Club? I don't know. <laughs> Quite a while ago. Um well, I don't know. It was, I tell you, it was men for a long time. They didn't think women could run it. I remember the first year I did was president, and, and that's when we had the Bullorama. And what, what, what year was that? Do you remember? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, well, you've been in 10 years, yeah. and it was Pat after, after you. you. Yeah. So you would have started in. Pat was what? Six, oh, I think six, mine six. was in the, I think I was in the late 19s. Yeah, 1990s. 1990s. I think it was like, yeah, around the 1996 or something like that, mm -hmm. and then into the 2000s. How, how, did, how did you get involved? I'm going to ask the same question to Linda, but Kathy, how did you get involved initially? Well, Larry, my husband, he, was, uh, he joined the Improvement Club, and he was uh, president, and then he was our centennial president, and I sort of then they needed me because I was uh, his secretary, you know, <laughs> when your husband gets a job. And um, so then I, I just became involved. I enjoyed, I was, I was involved with the alumni. I was in the start of that. So I was always involved in that. And so the, they kind of went hand in hand and I just liked all of the things that the Improvement Club stood for. And they, I liked to be involved in the activities. Yeah, well, it sounds like the Improvement Club does a lot of good. Linda, how did you get involved? Uh, back in 2002, I was the village clerk for Verdigree. And, of course, the, the village works with the Improvement Club. And uh, there was never a representative from the village in the group. So I joined, my husband and I joined in about 2002, uh, about 2000. Five, maybe four, four or five. I started as treasurer, and I um, was the acting treasurer for a while. And in 2013, I moved from treasurer to the president. Mm -hmm. We so, actually do co-president because we're mm -hmm. trying to keep the men involved, also. So we do co-president. So my husband and I are co-presidents and have been since 2013. I see. So it's a family affair, it sounds like, which is yeah. great. <laughs> yes, it is. We have our kids helping with different with different things during collage days. Yes. And and that is one of the great things I would say. I, I have, you know, these festivals and all these different communities really, uh, and I just preach this in every single person I talk to about fairs and festivals, you know, it's an opportunity to bring community together. It's an opportunity to highlight special things about the community to, you know, raise funds for good causes. And, you know, it really in most places is a family affair in one way, shape or form. Now we've been having this conversation about collage versus collage. And I realize that you and I may know what we're talking about, but we may have listeners that are not familiar with this delicacy. So Linda, why don't you tell our listeners what collage or collage is? All right. It's a pastry, uh, I would say dough pastry, dough. right? Mm -hmm. And then you uh, push out the middle and you put filling in, uh, cherry, raspberry, um, prune, poppy seed, mm -hmm apricot um cheese. yeah cottage cheese um just about any flavor different families use different use different flavorings in it and and this is a traditional czech pastry right or eastern european pastry correct 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. We we have a big Eastern European population in in my neck of the woods in northeastern Ohio, which is why I'm familiar. And my personal favorites are apricot, then poppy, and then nut. That's usually the the pecking order in our family, <laughs> uh, at least. Although, like a lot of people go for nut first, I am I'm an, I am like the last one that likes nut. But a lot of people like the nut one the best, and then poppy. I personally like apricot the best. And and we don't make nut in our in our neck of the woods. <laughs> really? No, that's no, that's interesting. Like no kidding. Yeah, they they nut is a pretty popular one um, where where I'm at in northeastern Ohio. But you know, as you were saying, a lot of different families I'm sure have different traditions about you know the fillings that they use and things get you know kind of changed regionally in one way, shape, or form. Um, so I I always find it interesting. And part of our program is to try to highlight, um, you know, the uh, the different cultures across the Midwest. And maybe people wouldn't necessarily think, oh, there's a big Czech population in Nebraska. But apparently that's the case. Yes, there is. Uh, in the Verdigree area, also in Wilbur, Nebraska, is a big mm-hmm. Czech. And Clarkson. Clarkson. Talking about colleges, um, we at yeah. the Catholic Church, we make 500 dozen every oh, year gosh. before college days. The Methodist bake and uh, and the bakery bakes. The young, we've had a bakery, small town bakery, been fortunate to have for a few years now. And we always, every place runs out. Oh, I believe it because I'm sure it's something that people look forward to throughout the entire year. So that's a really, you know, it's a, it's a good place to, you know, kind of start um, and, and focus the conversation about what actually happens during Kalach Days for you. So walk us through, if somebody were to come visit, um, and, you know, come to Verdigree, uh, Nebraska, for Collage Days, what would they experience? Well, if they came on Thursday evening, we have um, a community, local community chorus, and they usually kick off the, the whole weekend with their performance on Thursday night and then again on Friday night. And they usually have a theme of... Uh, I don't know, whatever. It could be Broadway uh, songs or... they. they take off on something like that, a country western or always very mm-hmm. good. Um, and then uh, Friday, they would be able to just walk around town, see the local shops that we have. Friday night uh, is when we have our local or bullorama and then a street dance. Mm-hmm. So that brings a lot the, we've had 700 or anywhere from 650 to 700 attend the bullorama the last couple of years. And the street dance usually has around 300 to 350 people on the street for the street dance. How fun. See, again, bringing, bringing everybody out. How far have people, like, if you, do you know, like, where the furthest person has maybe traveled from to come visit and, and eat kolach? Well, the only, the only reason I would say we do is because at our turtle races on Saturday, they usually give a prize to whoever travels the farthest. And I've been there that they have said Alaska and Florida. Oh, wow. So that is quite a distance. And Hawaii and several other states, almost every state. Wow. Wow. And, and so, okay, you mentioned turtle races. Now you gotta, you're going to have to tell us about what these, what these do. All right. So you can have a painted (laughs) turtle or a sand or box turtle and uh, you put them in the middle of a, a box in the middle of the circle and you let them go. And whoever gets to the line first is the turtle race winner. Then they <laughs> keep going back in heats until the grand prize turtle is crowned. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, is, is it, is it like really, is it as slow as molasses or you have fast? No, it really is not. <laughs> it isn't. The turtles move rather quickly when they're scared, all thrown in a, in a pot, you know, and to run. So, uh, it, you have to be very careful if you're sitting around the perimeter because if you move, they will stop. Oh, that's, I'm sure that after a lot of experience, you, you've managed to, <laughs> to, figure, to figure this out. Now, speaking of, of contests, now, do you have any contests amongst the churches or, you know, the, the local bakery on, you know, the best clutch or the most unique you know, recipe or anything like that? No, we don't. I guess everybody knows where to get their favorites and we just leave it at that. Fair enough. I mean, it's got to be hard to choose, right? Exactly. That, well, I got. I do have to ask, though, as far as flavors are concerned or fillings, what is your favorites? 
I like cherry or apricot. Apricot for me. Oh, see, okay, so we're three, we're three for, for three for apricot. That yes, means right. there you go. Actually, I like the cheese. We make Connie's cheese, and it's it's way right up there with apricot. So I bet that sounds fantastic. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely I'm. Definitely getting hungry, which is always a challenge of doing this program. Um, so I, I want to go back to, you know, kind of the the, um, the heritage, the Czech heritage of the region. Do, do you happen to know why there's, you know, a sizable Czech population there and they're in the area? Well, there were, that's where the first settlers were here and they were Czech and then they, their families came um, and it was very Catholic. Uh, mm-hmm. community at that time and so they built the church um, St. Wenceslaus and um, this is the third church that we've had you know coming from a small wooden church and it's just um, actually we even see this now that um, there was a, an elderly man that passed away and he was raised in this area and now um, both of his children which are uh, adults grown up and their kids have moved back here and bought homes Oh wow! So that that that's so much of what you're saying really reminds me of my home community in Ohio, where you know we are seeing people move back, and um, you know that that sort of really strong sense of community and family uh, is a, is a big big driver, um, along with the churches and a number of things. And the churches are oftentimes that focal point when it comes to community fairs and festivals, particularly the ones that people wait all year long to have their food. Um, now, I know, or at least I, I, if I recall correctly, that there is also a Czech festival close to, the, to you all in South Dakota. Is that right? Yeah. Tabor Czech Days is in Tabor, South Dakota, probably about 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. And, How does that they- differ from what you all do? They're very ethnic. They mm-hmm. they have their best set of dancers. Um, they have a lot of stuff in a park. Um, they have polka contests, which we've had in the past. But and the the Czech bands and they don't have a lot of like we kind of pride ourselves on having something for every age. There's there's so many activities and we just keep people entertained the whole weekend. It's, it sounds like a blast. Now, I, I want to ask, too, um, as, as we are wrapping up, what do you want our audience to know about Verdigree and about collage days? Is there anything in particular that you want to make sure that people know um, and take away from our conversation? Well, Verdigree is a close-knit community. We all want to help each other. We all want collage days to be a success. We want it we, we pride in having people come into our community and see how we all work together and how we can pull off this collage days um, so that everybody has fun while they're there. I don't know, Kathy, yeah. what about you? Well, that's, it's true. Um, it's a lot of work. And, you know, if I can put a plug in, uh, we are so, well, it's, we're just so happy that we have such good co chairman here with Jim and Linda because they love college days and it shows <laughs> and they just work so hard to bring new things in and uh, to get people involved. We've had so many young people, young couples join the improvement club, which is nowadays it's hard to find young people, you know, to absolutely. Get in. Yeah, or no question. So it's really, um, would you care if we ran down just some of the activities that we have during college days? No, I, I that's exactly what we want to know. Go okay. for it. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just going to start. We have churches that do the ethnic meals. Uh, they serve pork, sauerkraut, kolaches. The library has different activities, sidewalk, uh, art, uh, book sales. Daycare has the duck rice races. Community chorus has uh, performances. Uh, the alumni banquet, as mentioned. The fire department new. To, uh, the fire department is doing something new, a rib cook-off and a dance. The school athletic departments have food stands all weekend long. Uh, there's a local tractor group, and they have a tractor drive. Wow. Uh, we have cruise night, collage eating contest, uh-huh. royal, royal <laughs> ball, and where we count, crown the king and the queen. And then another new event is pickleball. But we couldn't do uh, 
College days wouldn't be possible if we didn't have the support of the community and the local businesses. Sure, sure. It sounds that way. And I mean, and you just what you just, you know, kind of listed off obviously shows exactly what you were talking about before, having something available for pretty much all ages. There's you can't go wrong, you know, you have a lot of different offerings. And I I mean, I wish I could get some pictures or something of the kolach eating contest because I'm sure that's a blast. <laughs> it is a blast. Well, uh, ladies, thank you so very much for joining me and thank you for sharing about Vertigree's Collage Days and the Improvement Club. We really enjoyed it and uh, we're glad that we had a chance to share your story. Thanks for having us, Capri. You've been listening to Eat Your Heartland Out. This episode was produced by me, Capri Cafaro. Our audio engineers are Liam Warner and Armin Spengen. Theme music by Jason Shaw. Eat Your Heartland Out is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.